Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Welcome to the Delicious Podcast with me, Jimmy Smith. And this week, I'm learning how to cook like Australian food writer Amico Davies, who married into an Italian family and a rich heritage of food stories. Her book, Tortellini at Midnight, is a collection of her husband's family recipes from Taranto to Turin to Tuscany. And I found her baby Luna on her hip, making orecchiette, as great nonna Anna once did. Uh, so these are orecchiette, which are little, um, little ear-shaped pasta that is hand rolled yeah and i've watched you making these and you've just rolled out some dough and you are just literally kind of stroking it with a knife (laughs) and then stroking it further with your index finger until they become these little ear shaped things yeah it's a rather um unusual technique you roll it into a snake you know (laughs) like like when we were kids yeah roll it into a snake and then you cut little um Little yeah. gnocchetti, little like uh-huh. pieces like gnocchi. Uh-huh. Um, and then those little pieces get sort of rolled across the board. It's really important to have a wooden board because you need some something to for it to stick on. Yeah, and not too much flour, I know. Not too much flour because the stickiness is actually quite important. So when you roll these little gnocchetti onto your finger and then you flip them over, um, where the stickiness is, it creates a little rough surface. Yeah. And... That little rough surface is actually useful for holding sauce. Ah, so there you go. Which is the, the point of pasta, yeah. is holding the sauce, exactly. isn't it? So, and what are we going to have with it? We're sort of combining two recipes. On the stove, I've got some meatballs simmering in tomato sauce. And in Puglia, a lot of these, um, these sort of preparations, uh, they sometimes do this with mussels, for example. These ones are pork and, pork and beef meatballs. Um, you would take out the protein to have as the main course and in the sauce where you've had the protein, whatever it is, simmering and simmering and adding flavour, then you would toss pasta through that sauce. Yeah, and it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's, it's, it's an age-old practice, but there's a bit of a craze, isn't there, for food separating? <laughs> you know, not eating your carbs with your protein. I wonder where this is, where it came <laughs> from. What do you think? Well, I think in Puglia, this is really common in Puglia's, Puglia's cuisine, it was to stretch out the meal oh, okay. and make it make one meal last longer and make you, you know, feel fuller you've had a first course and a second course yeah. when really 
Um, it could just be you could just add the pasta to that pot and call it a day. Yeah. <laughs> but so, having the two separate courses, I think, makes you feel like you've had more food. So let's talk a little bit about where these recipes come from. They're in your book, obviously. Um, the book is full of what you call heirloom recipes. It's the story of not just your life, but your Italian ancestors, or, or at least your husband's husband, ans- yeah. ancestors. So my husband's grandfather, Mario. Um, his parents, Anna and Nicola, are from Taranto, and he was born in Taranto as well. Um, but the way that they met, and this is sort of the story behind these these polpette, actually, that are simmering on the stove, because um, these are non Anna's polpette. Uh, she was a, Anna was a noblewoman who lived in um, Taranto in the main street via Duomo, and um, one day answered the doorbell to the postman who was um, a short and stocky um, but charming young man <laughs> called Nicola. And, um, and they instantly um, liked each other and um, she kept answering the door to the postman. And um, her mother is sort of, you know, clued in on the fact that she was, um, you know, gaining... Fraternising with the wrong class. Well, yes, and, you know, the, the postman of all people and um, threatened to um, disown her yeah. unless she, you know stopped hanging out with the postman (laughs) and um and of course Anna decided to elope so she she ran away from home with nothing not even a suitcase I love that nothing arrived at the doorstep of the of Nicole and said if you want me here I am but all I have is the clothes that I'm wearing (laughs) nothing she was she was disowned from the family and he they got married they had nine children in Taranto and um and then shortly after World War One uh, they moved from Taranto to Turin, Turin for the work. For work. I mean, it is an interesting story of uh, disruption. Uh, I, you know, you're you're not supposed to marry out of your class. You're not actually supposed to move in Italy. Yes. You're not supposed to take the the recipes of your family to another city. Well, yeah. So my um, my husband's grandfather, even though he was born in Taranto, uh, he was moved along with his eight brothers and sisters to Turin. Um, as a child, and he he grew up in Turin, always feeling like he was a Torinese rather than rather than from Puglia. He then met my uh, my husband's grandmother Lena, who was a, a dainty little Tuscan lady, mm-hmm. who was visiting her cousin for the summer. Um, they got married, and during World War Two, they moved to Tuscany, yeah. and the family have lived there ever since. Yeah. So Nonno Mario, um, who quite liked to cook as well, he he was often in the kitchen preparing himself Hello. meals. He um, he came up with an idea to celebrate New Year's Eve through um, a bowl of tortellini with sugo. And this was served at midnight with a glass of spumante and a game of bingo uh, through his father-in-law's bar. <laughs> so why did you choose that particular story to illustrate what you're trying to say throughout the book? Um, I quite like the ring of the sound of tortellini at midnight, and um, and it was just well throughout the throughout the book there are lots of little stories linked to the dishes, and um, and I think it's just another way to illustrate how you know a, a dish is not just a dish. There's a reason why um, those tortellini were were served at midnight or were served with a sugo or were served in a particular way. Yeah. So the book is effectively uh, split into three parts with recipes from those different places. And so it tells a story 
from your point of view, from an Australian point of view, marrying into this family as they've moved around Italy. For you, you're now Tuscan. Which recipes speak to you most, if any? Um, That's really hard to say. Actually, I think that um, this was almost an excuse for me to be able to write about my three favourite regions in Italy, food-wise, because... Um, even before I did all the family history and the the research interviewing family members and finding out about this movement of the family and their, their story, um, these three places were my favourite food regions of Italy. So, um, I mean, Tuscany is obvious, but but um, Puglia and and Piemonte are um, also just... Yeah. Yeah. Tell us where the orecchiette sit within that story. So the orecchiette are from Puglia. They're, um, so that's the Taranto. Yeah, <clears throat> they're a symbol of Puglia. You find them all over the region. And of course, yeah. we know that from southern Italy, from Taranto, it's much more uh, vegetable-based, it's yes. much more fish. And in the north, huge generalisations here, but there's more no, dairy. No, no, yes, much more. Um, so you find more butter in, uh, in the northern dishes. You find lots of eggs in the yeah. pasta. The pasta is really rich in eggs, not just one egg for 100 grams, but even more yeah. eggs. And um, these orecchiette from Puglia have no eggs. This is just semolina and water. Um, And then there's a lot more olive oil. I I should say only olive oil. (laughs) Um, I mean, that is the point, isn't it? When we talk about the Mediterranean diet, we are talking about southern Italy. We're not talking about northern Italy at all. (laughs) Not even Tuscany. Not even Tuscany. I really think, yeah, Yeah. southern, very very fast now, is is the Mediterranean. Now, you've got baby in arm. Um, Luna would very much like to eat that pasta dough. Um, You've (laughs) managed to grasp it from her hands. So, basically, you're going to continue making your orecchiette with one hand now. Well, I think I need two. Um, And I'm just hoping she's not going to grab it out of my hand. She's going for the snake. (laughs) So what are we going to do with that? So we're just going to simply... When I make pasta, I I never leave it to dry enough. Oh, yeah. Is that the key? Well, the orecchiette, you can leave... You can leave it to dry all day, really, and use it the next day or the the next week. Um, So these ones, as I'm making them, I've got to flour the board a little bit and I'm just moving them into the the semolina as they're ready. And um, and then those can sit there and dry until I need them. They probably won't, you know, we're going to eat them very soon. So they won't dry yeah. that much more. But um, And a couple of seconds in the water? Um, not seconds, I would say a few minutes. So because these are thicker than, um, than really thin, you know, pasta that's been rolled out by a machine, uh, these will take a few minutes. Okay. Um, right. Maybe even up to five. Tell minutes. us about the polpette. So the polpette are made with a mixture of beef and pork. And these are cooked, uh, so first the, the meatballs themselves are browned, um, and then you cook... In olive oil? Olive oil, yes, yes. And inside the meatballs, there's some breadcrumbs, there's some um, parmesan or some pecorino cheese, either one. There is a bit of, um, what have we put in there, parsley and some eggs to mm. hold them together. The breadcrumbs are really important. The breadcrumbs that go inside um, really help keep them tender mm-hmm. otherwise they'll be a little bit dry um, then uh, once those are browned off in the same pan some sliced onion and pancetta are um, cooked in there and then you add the you put the meatballs back in and then add tomato sauce and then let the whole thing simmer for as long for as long as you want as really long or as a short yeah these are these are the kind of preparations that um, the longer you can leave them the better the flavor and if you make it the day before and it has a whole night to rest it's even better delicious yeah. 
Now, reading through your book, it's a very beautiful love story. It's about people and place and family and continual passing down of the family story through food, which is what we all know Italy to be. Is it still like that? We talk about Tuscanopia now, you know, the sort of the fetishization of the kind of the nostalgic Italy, which I know a lot of Italians really don't like. And it certainly doesn't do them any favours to paint a rather romantic picture of a, of, a, of a country that to many are in crisis. How important is the food still to Italians who, as they move into the cities away from the families, they don't have their mm-hmm. family meals so much? I think food is still um, an extremely important part of Italy. If anything, it's um, it's a huge part of their identity. And food is always very nostalgic because the sort of dishes that, you know, my mother-in-law, um, even people's nonnas, if they're still around, uh, are making, those are the dishes that they grew up on that have been... These polpette are over 100 years old. They've been, they've been passed on through the generations in our family um, and they're still being served on the table, you know, so um, food is something that I think, uh, you know, always connects people, connects generations Mm. Um, it's your part of your roots and um, I think that's still very, very strong in Italy so even though people, I think a newer generation are maybe not cooking as much, they're definitely not cooking they're nonna's dishes, yeah. <laughs> but they they want the, to eat them still. Yeah. And so, um, if nonna is still around, or if the mother is still around and making those dishes, those those are uh, are always like they're they're untouchable. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's interesting that you talk about the nonna's. You know, in the old days, well, even twenty years ago, you talk about mama, like mama yes, used to make. Yeah. Now, mama's not making them so many. And it's yeah. nonna who's the holder of the family recipes. Yes, exactly. And my in-laws, it was definitely nonna nonna Lena who was doing the cooking more than my mother-in-law. And now that her mother's not around anymore, she's taken over and she's trying to recreate, uh, or she does recreate the dishes, just maybe not as well as Luna Lena used to. But um, and Luna, she's uh, she's uh, already interested in food. I can see she's just trying to grab it. Yeah, at all food. This one is my my very curious eater. She eats everything that she can get her hands on. Thanks for listening to The Delicious Podcast. I'll be back next week with a panel of experts at Sussex University debating whether or not veganism can save the planet. In the meantime, catch up with the rest of The Delicious Podcast at deliciousmagazine.co.uk slash stories slash podcasts or on your podcast app and follow my adventures behind the pod with the hashtag The Delicious Podcast. I'll see you next week.